This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law, home of the 2022 Men's Division I Baseball National Champions Hottie Toddy, Professor Gershon. Thank you, Liz. It was, uh, yeah, really, really uh, happy for that baseball team. Great for our university and great for the state of Mississippi. So congratulations to those champions and uh, good morning to you. I hope your weekend was good. Um, and today we're excited uh, to have um, attorney William Bettis on the show. Uh, Mr. Bettis is a business lawyer with Butner, Butler Snow and uh, has just impeccable credentials. I mean, I know uh, Mr. Bettis went through the three plus three program at Mississippi College and uh, did outstanding work in both the business school and the law school. So we're really lucky to have him here today. Good morning, Mr. Bettis. Would you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in business law? Yeah, most definitely. Thanks for having me. Um, Well, as you can tell, I went to undergrad law school and MBA at Mississippi College, and I pretty much got interested in business law, you know, from my dad preaching financial literacy and just my desire to understand how businesses work, how they raise capital and how they make money. Well, it's great. And it's so, it's so important that I think, you know, uh, financial literacy is something that we, we, we really should be teaching uh, at elementary schools and, and high schools at a greater level. And so we're really uh, happy to have you here today to, to help us understand, um, you know, how businesses work. So business law is a broad topic. Um, so please tell us about some of the services a business lawyer provides for clients. Yeah, business lawyers provide like a plethora of uh, services, some of which are the following. Um, forming the business, of course, assisting in the purchase and sale of other businesses um, or their businesses, advising in raising capital uh, or raising money, capital formation, um, assisting and advising in regulatory matters that might arise and drafting all of the necessary contracts um, needed to start the business, form the business, or to sell the business. So, you know, it runs the gamut of those types of things. Folks, you can send us your questions to our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. This morning, we're talking about business law and starting a business. Now, we can't give you advice, but we can tell you what the law is. Our guest is attorney William Bettis with Butler Snow. Yes, listen, it's, uh, you know, it, uh, William mentioned that there's so many different, uh, you know, things that business lawyers do. So let's start with the first, let's start with the beginning. Let's say a client comes to you and they say they want to form a business and they, uh, what, what do you need from them when, when they're going to uh, form and capitalize their business to start with? That's a good question. Um, first question that I'll ask is what is the purpose of the business? Um, in order, knowing the purpose of the business helps navigate if there are any industry regulations that we have to think about. Um, and it just gives direction to me as the attorney um, to provide advice the best way that I can. Secondly, um, in connection with that, do you have a business plan? Um, 
um, if you if you uh, don't have a the business plan, plan is to make money. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and how are you going to do that? Um, the other question I would ask is who will be involved in a business? Is it just you or is it multiple people? Um, because we would have to think about different things when more than one person is involved, then you have to deal with different interests and we have to navigate through that. Um, we also would ask where will the business be located? Um, is the business going to be located in Mississippi? Uh, will they operate in other states as well? That's important to know whether we would have to register that business in different places. Then we would ask, uh, go to the question, uh, the statement that you made, how would you make money? <laughs> um, and then how do you intend the business to be initially capitalized? Will you use debt? Will you use equity? Um, will it be personal contributions, other things like that? We will also ask, what are the rights um, that each owner of the business will have in the entity? Um, and we will ask how the business will be managed, how you split your profits, your losses, other things like that. And also, is there an ability for you to transfer your ownership to somebody else? For example, say if you have a partnership with another person and you die, do you want your interest to be transferred by will, other things, uh, or, or any other mechanism? And how will the business handle disputes among each other? Uh, it's inevitable. You know, we're humans. We deal with people. We don't agree all the time. And so are there mechanisms to handle those situations? The, sec the uh, second to last question that I will ask, and this is just it's not necessarily a comprehensive list, but just just that's what's on my mind right now is do you have a good method of keeping records, which is very important? Um, it's very important from the standpoint of understanding what's in front of you when you're raising money, when you're going to a bank to get lending, or if you get to the stage where you want to sell your company. Because investors are going to look at, do you have good records of your business? Do you have contracts for the arrangements that you have? And last but not least, definitely not least, do you have a good accountant? Um, accountant is very important uh, because they can help you with your taxes, help you with the finance and finances of your business, and help with projections. Just, just a whole bunch of things that they can help with that we as the attorneys may be able to assist with, but they do this on a day-to-day -day basis. We draft the documents. They make sure that the economic rights that you're trying to get, you actually get, and it, and it works that way. So definitely, do you have a good accountant? Well, that's also that's also such great information. And you know, so you mentioned, you know, people. I guess people when they come to you and they got their idea for their business, they're all on the same page and there's this love fest, and they're all going to be great. And you mentioned down the road, though, there might be conflict. Yeah. So, I mean, so a good set of instructions will help that, and that's really what the what the business plan and the and the uh, agreement might would be. But right, so when you represent when somebody when people a group of people come to you, uh, Mr. Bettis, to represent. A, a you know them and forming their business, and then they get into dispute. Who do you represent in that case? You know, you, lawyers usually have one that one client, and and but when it's business formation, how does that work? Well, it can work in one or one or two ways. Normally, uh, I either represent the company to be formed, so I don't represent an individual person. 
or if I represent an individual person, that's all I represent. Um, I do that for for several reasons because it's a headache trying to balance all of the interests, um, and also there is as an attorney we have rules uh, that of professional conduct which we have to abide by. Uh, particularly, one of them is a lawyer shall not represent a client if the representation of that client will be directly adverse to another client. Um, unless um, the representation will not be uh, adversely affect the relationship with the other client or um, not or, but and each client gives consent. Um, But that's a headache. So it's best to just represent either the business being formed or one individual person that's going to be an owner in the business. Um, That way your interests aren't divided and you don't have to worry too much about conflicts that may arise. I'm going through this thinking, okay, I'm going to start my lemonade stand. (laughs) What are my plans? I always have my little pretend scenario in my head when I'm listening to this. So I'm thinking, all right, if I'm going to have my lemonade stand, I got to think about my plan. I got to think about all of this. All right. We would love for you to call in with your questions. Everybody's got to make money somehow. And if so many people are, um, they are our private business owners or they're with a group or there's a family business, we would love for you to send us your email questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We are discussing starting a business in Mississippi with our guest, William Bettis, with Butler Snow. So would you like to know where you can go to read about starting a business? I'll tell you where next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is in legal terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our whole show live. So if you've missed any of the program, you can listen to the show from our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, our good old Mississippi Secretary of State's office has a website that has some information about starting a business. I will have a link 
to that on the show information for this podcast that you can find on any podcasting platform, YouTube, and also on our website. This morning, we're talking about starting a business with our guest, William Bettis, attorney with Butler Snow. Now, this is great information. We really appreciate William being with us today. And, and uh, William, can we talk a little bit about the different ways in which businesses are organized? I mean, what, what choice of entity does a person or a group of people have when they're forming a business? Yeah, um, you have uh, a lot of choices. Um, you can be a sole proprietorship. Uh, you can be, if you have more than one person, uh, a partnership, general partnership, a limited liability uh, uh, partnership. You can also be formed as an LLC, which is a limited liability company. You can be formed as a corporation, uh, a C-Corp or S-Corp corporation. And so, yeah, so that's lots of choices. And and, uh, so how would a general partnership be different from an LLC or a corporation? So a, a general partnership is different in the sense that if there are liabilities of the company where, say, if somebody's trying to sue you, each person is jointly uh, liable for um, the, the problem or the issues at hand. Uh, not in the company, but the individual themselves, they can come after your assets. Um, with the limited liability company, it limits that liability, um, where that you your risk and your exposure is only what you put into the company. Um, well, l- let me say this. Um, there's always exceptions. If you don't treat that LLC as a separate entity from yourself, um, then there potentially could be ways where they can still come after you. But that's that's why you kind of keep things separate. Um, and the corporation also gives you that limited liability as well. Um, there are also differences in how those entities are taxed um, as well. So, you know, when, when somebody comes to you and they say, I, I've got, I'm just a sole proprietor, I'm just going to run my business, um, do they need, is it good for them to consider an LLC even though they're going to be the only person in the business? corporation most most definitely I, I think they should choose an LLC um, because the LLC kind of gives you the best of both worlds um, you can um, it has pass-through taxation meaning that um, you're not taxed uh, at the entity level um, the tax liability flows to the individual or to whoever the owners up is of that entity um, or you could be taxed as a corporation where you where you know you do have that, but you you have the benefit of choosing how you're going to be taxed. Plus, you have the the uh, limit of the liability uh, as well, and you don't have to worry too much about something that's called corporate formalities that you have with corporations. So corporations, the laws in Mississippi require you to have these annual meetings to do certain things. Uh, But the LLC is a little bit more flexible um, where you can choose to do certain things that um, you you can choose to do things that aren't necessarily uh, obligations um, for you as a business. So, you know, if I was going to advise somebody, I would tell them to choose the LLC structure. Um, especially if they're starting up. And, and you mentioned, you know, we, the, the tax consideration. Um, I remember uh, years ago, the only way to get passed through uh, tax 
benefits and, and not have the entity tax was to have have an S corporation, but they were that was limited in the number of shareholders you could have, and you know you couldn't have uh, non-U.S. citizens as shareholders. So you know the, the, the LLC has added tremendous flexibility for uh, people starting their businesses. Uh, what, what if, what if um, so? I, let's say I you know we have a farmers market here in Oxford, and we we've got people who bring their goods from home, bake goods and things like that. Uh, you know, co kitchen industry, cottage industries that you know that, that they're not really a full time business, but they do sell their goods at, at, at markets like that. Should they have that kind of protection? Should they should they think about business formation, or are they okay just operating as sole proprietors? You know, I think they should have that business formation. I, I think that's good um, for, from from the liability standpoint. What if some of the goods that you sell aren't um, up to par, unfortunately, um, and somebody gets sick and they decide to sue you um, or sue sue your entity? Um, if they decide to sue the business and you are a sole proprietorship, then they can go after your home, your car, all of your assets. Um, even if you are a general partnership and you are uh, in the business with somebody else, they can go after both of you all's um, assets as well. But the the benefit of the, having the limited liability company is that it limits it to just the entity. Um, and so, if they sue, they have to sue the the entity itself. Um, and the only thing that you can lose is the contributions that you put into the company, versus losing more than that because you don't have a separate entity that's a buffer between you and, and the services you provide. So, a person who I just went to Pickle Fest mm -hmm. and saw the you know the people making. A, Strangely enough, not very many pickles. Yeah. <laughs> there were salsas and and other things that you know individuals made. Do a lot of people take the extra step to form a LLC or form you know some kind of corporation? Do you wish more people would do it? How how prevalent is this for people who say, you know, hey, I've got an idea. I'm going to op open a store. I'm going to open a business. I'm going to be a DJ. How prevalent is it that people do take this extra step? Do you even know? You know, th that's a good question. Um, I don't have the data in front of me, but kind of what you said, I wish they would, uh, just to protect themselves from potential eventualities that, that might come. Um, and you always want to limit your liability if you can. Um, so so I wish they, they did do that. We have a question from Daryl from Mindenhall. From Memphis. All right. Daryl, we're so glad you've called in, too, in legal terms today. Our guest is William Bettis, attorney with Butler Snow, and we're talking about business law. What's your comment or question? Hi, Liz. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? All right, then. Uh, well, I think it's Liz, but that's fine, too. Keep doing good. I enjoy listening to Liz. I heard the like her voice, by the way. Yeah. Um, my question uh, has to do with LLC. I'm sorry, not LLC necessarily, but with investment club. And investment club, is that what you said? That's right. That's why I think investment club. Um, is there any trouble hearing me? I think you've got a radio on in the background. If you can turn that down, uh, we can hear you a little bit better. Oh, I've, I've a lot of church. Do churches do investment clubs, or is this? Do you have it yours from just a group of friends or? 
Uh, this is just a group of friends that I'm trying to trying to do. Um, let me. Okay. Now I think I think that's better. Um, can you hit this? Yeah, that's can better. Thanks. Better Go ahead, Daryl. Okay. okay. I'm uh, thinking of an investment club with uh, beginning with family members first, and then branching out from there. And what? Um, would it be better to go with a, a, a limited liability corporation or, or, or just what would you recommend? Well, that is a, a good question, and I believe it it needs a, a more in-depth analysis. I don't think I can be able to give you all that uh, on this radio show. But what I can say is if you're forming a company where um, you're going to have several people that invest in um, different um, investments, um, you need to, number one, speak with an attorney because there's different considerations, security secured, uh, uh, considerations. Um, there's something called the Investment Company Act. Um, there's something about, you know, raising money uh, um, from others to invest in a particular uh, entity. Um, and so I think, you know, it'll be best to speak with an attorney um, which can walk you through the steps of what you need to do. Um, now, if you decide, generally, if you decide, hey, we want to form it as an LLC, we want to form it as a corporation, one of the benefits, uh, apart from considering the, you know, the regulatory aspects of the securities laws, um, if you choose an LLC, you have the benefit of having the profits that you make um pass or, or uh pass directly to the um to the owners um whenever you're trying to get money out of the company now if you decide to choose a corporation then the income that the corporation makes will be taxed um because that's income to them and then when you decide hey we want to issue a distribution um to the owners of this corporation then it's taxed on an individual level as well um and so you're double taxed and you're bringing home a little bit less money if you choose that corporate structure or a C-Corp, uh, which might be different than an S-Corp, um, where it also has that to pass through um, taxation. But generally speaking, if, you, if you're going to invest or have some type of investment fund, um, you want to have a pass-through entity so that you can maximize the profits that, that you would get rather than cutting into it through double taxation. Thanks for calling in, Daryl. You know, that's a perfect example of when you mentioned at the very beginning what type of company and what realm someone's starting their business because there may be different, you know, if, if you're doing an investing, you know, that's different from food regulation mm -hmm. or from you know, being a mover or, you know, something that requires a lot of uh, physical exertion from an employee. Exactly. Let's go to Tupelo and speak with J.W. J.W., thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. Can uh, What's your question or comment? Well, I, I just started an LLC, and um, we have some ideas. I bought 60 acres of wooded property. It's, under, it's not developed at all. And... We've got several ideas about what we'll do on the property, and I'm the sole proprietor in the LLC. So I heard him saying that that limits the liability to whatever I put back into the company. Is that correct? 
that, that's correct. Um, the contributions that you put in the company, um, that's that's the amount that you can lose um, if if somebody decides to sue you. Maybe a premise liability um, case with the property that you own. Um, they can't go um, after your personal assets. Um, in because you have that shield of being a limited liability company. So the 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 limit the LLC does not own the property. Uh, should we lease the portions that we use to the LLC? Since me and my wife own, she's not in the LLC. But right. could, could we lease? some of that property to the LLC to still protect the land well, and not put it under the LLC. I don't I don't I don't I don't believe so in that situation. I was going under the assumption that the LLC owned the property and that's where you have the limited liability. But if you own it individually, uh, then you still, you know, are at risk um um, for, for liability. And I think in that situation, um, for, for businesses uh, in general, it's good whether you are a LLC corporation or running as a sole proprietorship is to get business insurance um, or premise liability insurance and other things like that to cover potential eventualities. Okay. That was kind of my, my question is how much is that risk? since I do have an LLC, not our home or our cars or anything like that, but what we do on that property puts it at risk, correct? What you do on the property, yes, yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, JW. We're glad you called in. Email us your questions about business law. We're learning about starting a business. Our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We are talking with William Bettis, attorney with Butler Snow, about business law. Now, I mentioned the Secretary of State's website that had some great information about starting a business. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what else you need to know about that Secretary of State's website today. You need to know it today. It's an important day today. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. You 
are listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, or you can find the Think Radio recordings on our website, mpbonline.org slash radio. This morning, we are talking about business law with our guest, William Bettis, uh, attorney with Butler Snow. Now, if you do go to that Mississippi Secretary of State's website, you can find out about our election today. Uh, Way up north in Oxford, y'all don't have to go to the polls, but uh, the diagonal line uh, south of Mississippi, think of it as a pageant sash like Miss Mississippi got crowned on over the weekend. You know, uh, south of Starkville, if you live in Meridian, parts of Jackson, Natchez, uh, Brookhaven, that's all going to be in Congressional District 3. That's Michael Guest. Incumbent is facing off against Michael Cassidy, the Battle of the Michaels. Now, if you live in the the coast, uh, Hattiesburg, Laurel, Columbia, Waynesboro, all the way down to the coast, that is the 4th Congressional District, and Stephen Palazzo is facing off against Mike Ezell. This is a runoff. Remember, folks, we do not have registered parties So if you voted in the primary, you have to vote for that same party. If you did not vote in the primary, you can vote in the runoff. So get to the polls. They're at 7 to 7 today. And our, you know, you can't whine. I guess you can whine about it if you don't vote. But uh, go ahead and vote so that you can be a participant in our democracy. But now, let's get back to uh, business law. Well, and you know, the U.S. Supreme Court has said that businesses are people uh, for purposes of uh, uh, you know, supporting elections and things like that. Um, we can talk about that on another show. But, uh, but uh, William, it really is great information, and we really appreciate you being here. And, uh, and you know, it, 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 let's start um, back, you know, from the beginning, you know, is it— is it important for a new business to have a business plan, or you know, or if they come to you and say, "Hey, I got, I, I know I've got this great idea, but I really don't have a plan," you know, is that going to be difficult for them? It is definitely difficult if if a client doesn't have a business plan. You know, business plans gives you direction, understanding of what you want me to do as an attorney and how to lead you there. Um, whether um, you're planning on having this business to be in existence forever um, or or just for a short period of time for some type of joint venture. But having a business plan is most important um, in, in the direction that it gives. And what about an agreement between the owners of the business? And I believe it or not, I've heard of uh, doctors who have, have you know, practiced medicine for years, and they never really had an agreement. They didn't have a partnership agreement, and, and you know, when something goes bad, then they got a problem. It, so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Think things work well when there's no problem, but when there's a problem, there's a there's definitely a big problem. So, you know, any entity that you have, especially if it's more than one person or more than one entity. 
you want to have documents that govern um, how you operate in that business, documents that govern how you're going to split profits, documents that govern what happens when there are problems and issues that, that arise. And so for, and, and these documents take different forms. Um, so for a general partnership, you'll have a partnership agreement. Um, for an LLC, you'll have an operating agreement or something called an LLC agreement. Uh, for a corporation, you'll have bylaws. And of course, you have the articles of incorporation uh, as well. And, and these things tell um, who manages the company, how do you raise money, um, how do you transfer interests, uh, if um, who, who governs, do you have officers and other things like that. So it is very important to have those documents uh, in place um, because it can help you navigate um, issues that might arise. We are so glad that we have attorney William Bettis on our show today from Butler Snow. We're talking about business law. Let's go to Brandon and speak with Tanya. Tanya, we're so glad you've called in today. What's your comment or question? Um, good morning, everyone. This has been a very interesting conversation. I'm fairly new to entrepreneurship, and I'm a small business owner. My business uh, deals with consulting, um, workshops, trainings, um, keynote speaking type um, products or services I provide. Um, my question is, and I, I really have two, but the first one is around uh, trademark. Um, so the materials that I produce for workshops, I would like to know Mr. Bettis's thoughts um, regarding trademark and kind of what is that process if he feels like that's something I should pay attention to. I think it's something to think uh, think about and pay attention to, especially if you believe the trademark provides value to your company, um, and, and there's different ways that you can you can go about that. Uh, me personally, I'm not a trademark specialist, but uh, we do have a lot, there are a lot of attorneys, especially at the law firm, that are specialists in trademark or copyright, um, and, and we always advise um, businesses to protect their intellectual property. Um, um, because that is some of the things that br brings value to your business, either when you're trying to sell it or even um, when you're trying to bring on investors, that they see that value and you own that value. Um, so it's, it's always good to get a trademark if you believe that it's valuable for your entity. Tanya, what was your second question? Um, I am an LLC, a limited liability company, um, is there a need to also consider liability insurance? You know, companies get insurance as well um, to, to cover themselves. Um, and so the, the, the liability, the limit of the liability limits the owners of the company. Um, but the company still does things and they still can be sued for something or they might have damages to their building. Um, and so they want to cover themselves. And so I think it's also beneficial um, for, for that business to acquire um, additional insurance uh, to protect the company. Tanya, did that help you out? That really did help me out. Thank you all so much for this very informative session this morning. Thank you for calling in. Professor Gershon, 
you know, it wouldn't be a, a law show without litigation. <laughs> what happens when, uh, William, what happens when partners, shareholders, or other LLC members end up in litigation against each other? Uh, that's a sticky situation. <laughs> um, a lot of times what we do, and this goes back to having the operating agreement, having the bylaws uh, and the partnership agreement. Sometimes it sets forth how do you handle disputes among each other. Um, sometimes it can be through arbitration, mediation, and other mechanisms like that. Hopefully you don't have to go to the litigation because that's time, that's effort, that's money, and that's detrimental to your business because you're trying to save as much money as you can as a business. You don't want to go into litigation. But if you do, um, it's it's I believe it's best for you know each person to kind of they get their own counsel and you navigate that situation and circumstance as it comes. That that makes I mean that makes perfectly good sense and and I think you know transactional lawyers and uh, you know uh, people who do business planning you know the kind of work you do uh, estate planners we want to keep our our clients out of litigation you know if we, we kind of feel like we failed if they end up in litigation sometimes and. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why that that uh, that business plan and also the uh, operating agreement are just the set of instructions for everybody to follow. Right. You know, a good set of instructions keeps us all out of out of trouble. Most uh, usually. Uh, can I ask a quick question? You know, this was not in the in the. Uh, the planned uh, document, the script I sent. Mm -hmm. But what, uh, what about not-for-profits? I mean, uh, to do. Uh, have, what if somebody wants to come and form an entity? You know, let's say they're going to have a, a, a charitable organization or some other, you know, or a homeowners association or some other not-for-profit. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how are they different in, in terms of their formation? Well, you know, you, you have some of the same similar type of documents. Um, for like a nonprofit corporation, you'll have the Articles of Incorporation, you'll have bylaws, but you also would have something kind of called a conflict of interest policy uh, that, that you would kind of put forth, or you would have different documents that regulate uh, related party transactions. Um, you would also have that in um, a typical corporation as well. Uh, additionally, um, you would have to register sometimes as a charity if you're going to receive money, and you can register, you know, with uh, the Secretary of State, um, and, and and things like that differ from each jurisdiction. Whether you're in Mississippi, Texas, Tennessee, um, and so so it's a little additional regulations of what you can and can't do, and there's laws that uh, that are provided specifically for um, charitable organizations as well. So um, those are the things that differ the nonprofit sector from the typical um, for-profit uh, entities. We're still taking your questions on our email address. That address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Our guest today is William Bettis, an attorney with Butler Snow. And we have talked about starting a business before. I'll tell you about that podcast next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We are just about...
Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. Now, if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to our whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. Now, we've, we have had a show dealing with starting a business before back in February 20th of 2018. That show is a little bit dated, so we are very glad that we've got William Bettis, attorney with Butler Snow, to answer our questions here today. And we do try to provide um, a Mississippi College alumni yeah. on our <laughs> show, even though our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the the University of Mississippi School of Law. Well, both Dean Rosenblatt and, uh, and I, I know he listens frequently, and also uh, Dean Dean Bennett, uh, two two wonderful people, would be upset with me if we didn't occasionally have a Mississippi College show. <laughs> so we're really happy to have you on. And, uh, and let's talk a little bit. You know, one thing I don't think we talked about in 2018 in very any detail was capitalization. Yeah. And, and I know that's something that you do. And so let's talk a little bit about how, how does how does somebody capitalize a business? Well, there's several ways. Um, of course, you can get money out of your own bank account um, to fund your business. Um, you can also go to banks um, to get loans to, to help the funding process. But then if you're bringing on other investors, um, that's another way that you can raise money to capitalize uh, your business. Um, in doing that, it's very important to um, hire an attorney if you're going to bring on additional investors. Uh, because when you're raising money and selling ownership interests of your company, you're selling something called a security. And these securities are kind of like, you know, the typical the stocks, LLC interests, and other things like that. And the federal government and the state government regulates the sale and the offer of those securities. And they say you can't sell or offer these securities unless there is an exemption from registration or you register these securities. Um, registration uh, is pretty much disclosing certain information to the state or the federal government about your business or about the, the, the uh, security uh, securities that you're selling. Similar to like if you go to a bank, um, they'll say, okay, how much, uh, what's your income, what's your credit score, and all of these other things like that. Well, the federal government or the state, they'll say, hey, you're obligated and you have to disclose these things uh, to us uh, before um, you, can, you can sell those security, unless there's an exemption available. And so the benefit of an attorney uh, in that situation would be to help you navigate if you do decide to register, but most, most small businesses don't, but to fall under exemptions from registration and make sure that you're in compliance with those laws. And you mentioned earlier, you know, somebody might put a restriction on, you know, on their, let's say, let's say you and I form a business and we say, you know, hey, uh, you know, we want to work together. 
but William, I don't want you selling to some person that I don't know, you know, I want you to, you know, because you're the person I want to work mm-hmm. with. Can we restrict who, who can buy our shares in that way? You definitely can. Um, and a lot of times you'll see in operating agreements or some operating agreements that I draft, I'll have that you can't transfer any ownership interest without the approval of the other member except for permitted transferees. And you let for, uh, you set forth who those permitted transferees are. Um, that could be your brother, your mother, you know, whoever, or another entity that you own. But you um, you agree upon that in that agreement. Um, and that's, that's kind of like the benefit of, you know, having those documents which, you know, governs how you're going to handle that situation when it arises if you want to sell to somebody else or sell to another entity. Well, let's say you, you're going to start the business and you and I are going to work together and you're going to put some money and some property towards the business. All I have to offer are my services. Um, can we capitalize the entity that way? Can I, can my services be used to capitalize the entity? They can. They can. Services can. Um, um, actual property and actual money can as well. Um, but I will say it's important to get with your accountant uh, in that situation to see what, you know, what effects that might have. Um, but but you can capitalize a, a business with, with cash, with services, uh, or with actual, actual property as well. Let's. We're getting to the end of the show. Sometimes people can't join our show from the the very beginning. So, um, uh, William Bettis with Butler Snow. I have just graduated from high school, college, uh, whatever uh, seminar or whatever, and I have a fantastic idea for a business I want to start. Where do I go from there? Well. Um as you talk, there's good resources on the Secretary of State website. Um, there are entities that provide services for startup businesses in the area. Um, one of them I heard of is Innovate Mississippi. Um, and, and you have, uh, you know, I believe we're in an information age right now. You can, you can find a lot of stuff online, but it's, it's, I guess it's kind of tough to navigate what is good advice, what is bad advice. But if you know an attorney... I think it's good to call that person up that practices uh, business law, um, and they can potentially kind of help you walk you through um, the steps that you need to take um, to capitalize on your dream. And you know, and also, you know, if, if for people who can't afford an attorney, there are resources. I, I do want to put that yeah. out there too. There, there are, you know, we have an, uh, a, a clinic that works with people who are entrepreneurs uh, to help them, you know, form their businesses, do do contracts, things like that. So, um, you know, don't let that barrier keep you from talking to somebody who can help you who has legal knowledge. But it, but uh, definitely go to a lawyer like William uh, as you start the business. Because doesn't that won't that save them money in the long run? It, it definitely will. Um, and, and this is where I, I see that it definitely saves uh, businesses if they start and have their formation and it's all messed up, and then they get to the and they had a successful business, and then they get to the point where they want to sell to another entity. Well, that entity that's buying it is going through all of your documents with the la 
like a fine tooth comb. And if things are kind of messed up, it might slow the deal down, which costs you money, or you might not be able to sell the business that has been profitable for so long. Um, and so I think it's very important to have have an attorney, have the accountants uh, in your pocket at the beginning to lay a good foundation for when it's time to sell, um, you'll be able to take advantage of the sale or other opportunities that might arise. Like, like preventive medicine. Yeah. Really yeah. Is, you know? <laughs> I don't want you to give away any uh, personal private information. What have you, what are some types of or, uh, businesses that you've helped uh, launch or you've uh, consulted about? Well, a plethora of them. Um, some that kind of deals with cooking, uh, uh, restaurants, uh, also consulting businesses as well, um, and um, real estate ventures uh, or investments or people that are doing um, wants to develop a particular type of area, kind of put a hotel or other things there, um, and they're trying to raise money. Um, and so I kind of help them with the compliance area uh, for those things as well. I'm too chicken to start my own business. I like, I like being an employee and, and getting a paycheck. It takes a certain fearlessness to say, this is my dream. I'm going to go out and do it. Right. Oh, there's you no know, safety net for that. No, but I've seen statistics that say that if you really want to get wealthy, you don't get it the way you and I do it. <laughs> like being employed, uh, you have to people who have their hands in lots of different ventures and lots, of, and some of them don't don't succeed, and they're willing to fail. But they, you know, they're the ones that, that tend to, to generate great wealth and. Well, they William, need, they definitely need. William, I'm sorry. Yeah, Go William, ahead. we're so glad that you've been on our show. We're out of time. Yeah. Uh, we're so glad you've been on our show today. This will be a podcast resource for folks to listen to as 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 they get their fearlessness <laughs> and they're able to uh, you know decide what they want to do, what would make them happy, how they're going to conquer the world. So, thank you so much for giving your time for being yeah. on our show today. Thank you for having me. We're so glad that we've got our intern. Charles, who has been answering our phones today, and our engineer, Jay White, who takes care of our show. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, where they will not be voting today, uh, I am Liz Gill, who lives in the Jackson area, where there is a runoff today. So everybody go vote. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.